Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host Skits M. Jones. I am your host Skits M. Jones. First things first, let's kick into it with the upcoming shows. Uh, Tonight, Wednesday the 4th, uh, 8pm at Elmhurst Comedy, Cottage Hill Station in Elmhurst, free show. Uh, killer lineup featuring myself, Lam Galuka, uh, Jessica Mance, Casey Larwood, uh, Yaz Bat with, uh, Stephanie Carroll hosting, um, huge fan of Elmhurst comedy and it's a huge homecoming for me. Uh, it's my first time doing comedy in the town I was, uh, I was raised and grew up in. So, you know, come on out. It should be a, a good time. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that free show. Uh, and for comics, there is a lotto spot. Uh, if you want to get a, a little guest spot on that show, you should come out as well. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the next night, Thursday, September 5th, that's tomorrow game of microphones at comedy shrine, uh, 8 PM show free show with a two drink minimum killer lineup. Uh, Krista Applequist, uh, Eric Pennell, uh, Tony Lazowski, Emily Schaefer, Bethany Larson, Jimmy Bartlett, Andrew Wolverton. Uh, plus, we are adding a lotto spot to that show as well. So comics, if you want to get an eight-minute set uh, and a chance at winning the, uh, the, the cash prize, and, I mean, it's actually a, a, it's a check prize, but it, it's money. You win money. Uh, if you want a chance at that, do eight minutes on Thursday night. Uh, come out to Game of Microphones. Uh, be there before the start of the show so you can sign up and hopefully, you know, try and get that lotto spot. Uh, plus, we've got uh, Pratik Srivastava as the headliner, so that's going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to that show. I'll be hosting, as I do. Uh, then next week, on Tuesday, September 10th, uh, I'm going back out to the city and debuting for Flabby Hoffman's Comedy Cavalcade. Uh, it's hosted by Keegan Buckingham. Huge lineup on this one. Uh, Blair Posiao, uh, Beckett Kenny, Marcus Bond, Tito, John Torres, Zach Frey, uh, Kerry Johnson, uh, Steph uh, Chiraska, uh, Aaron Burzak, uh, Jessica Besser Rosenberg, David Lewis, and Karen Fischel. Uh, that's at Phyllis's Musical Inn at 8 p.m. There's no cover for that one either. So many cool free shows that you should come out to. Uh, so yeah, that's all the all the comings up. Uh, hope to see you at all of those. Uh, now, for today's episode, um, we are you know I. I like I said, I'm going back home to Elmhurst, uh, to, to perform, um, uh, tonight. And we are nearing, uh, we are nearing September 11th. And, uh, you know, all these things get me thinking about my time in the military and all that came after my time in the military. And there's something that I've talked about on the podcast, but I haven't really gotten into. And that is my time in inpatient psych. Uh, I did a, a basically a weekend stint uh, in inpatient psych, um, 
back in uh, 2011, uh, shortly after I got out of the military. And while I was in Impatient, I, uh, I, I kind of took a, a journal, kept some notes, and I thought maybe it would be interesting if I went ahead and read uh, those journal entries for this episode. So, um, this is my documentation of my, my time in Impatient Psych, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, let me take a, a quick break, uh, and we will be right back kicking into that. I've made a mistake. The thought repeats over and over in my head as I wake up still in the solid plastic brick that serves as a chair in front of another taller brick, a table. The nurse, who hasn't given a name, and I haven't asked, looks at me as I wake up dazed in my surroundings and says, that's all you're going to do here, sleep and watch TV. The TV is on the military channel, both fitting and surprising considering my location, to south, the inpatient crazy wing of the VA hospital. The hard plastic brick furnishings, heavy so they can't be picked up and thrown. The floor, Simple white tile, missing in spots, revealing sticky black tar-like glue. Stained red in other spots, looking like juice stains. An ocean of fruit punch that's found its way to the floor. As far as I can tell, I'm the youngest one here, not counting the staff. And the only one whose voice doesn't carry a sleepy slur. And again, I think I've made a mistake. Other than bagging and tagging all of my possessions, the staff hasn't given me anything even vaguely resembling treatment or care in the half-day that I've been here. I'm wearing paper pajamas, I don't yet have a room, and so resigned to the brick furniture and with no desire to watch more repeats of the military in action alongside my fellow vets, I follow the nurse's advice and go back to sleep. In the room, the bed is another plastic brick. There are two of them, bolted down to the floor, plain white hospital sheets. My sheet has two strategically placed holes in it as if it were once a cheap ghost costume some long-ago Halloween. The blanket, like my pajamas, is paper, thick and fibrous, just wide enough to cover me shoulder to shoulder. I'm amazed they let me have a pen and paper. They even took my gum. I wait to get a toothbrush until tomorrow. My breath feels foul with the gnarled roast beef sandwich and milk, the only parts of the hospital food I could put down. The rest all having been glop of various colors and consistencies. At least I may lose a few pounds while I'm here. Small favors. A doc or a nurse, they're all dressed alike and blending together, finally calls me to a room to chat after hours of waiting and sleeping. I run down my life story in fits and spurts of well-rehearsed repetition, all the anecdotes well-honed over the years, with only the past few days becoming spontaneous exposition, and I'm fighting tears. We talk about depression, and she proposes affixing manic to be determined. Then it's the afternoon routine, 4 p.m., blood pressure, 5 p.m., meds, 6 p.m., meals, 
Seven days is the average stay here. I may leave Friday, but more likely I'll leave Tuesday. No one leaves on weekends. Memorial Day is coming up, three-day weekend, so uh, if I say I want to leave now, they'll keep me longer. And even though it's true, I bite my tongue. I'm told to mingle. I'd rather be left alone. I'd rather have my phone so I could check my messages, but it's not allowed. There's a community phone on the nurse's desk. I've watched someone drool on it. I can wait. I can wait, and it's a good thing, too, because there's nothing to do here but wait. There are no group activities or therapy sessions here, and I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Even if I hated it, it would be better than nothing. And I've got lots of nothing coming. The male nurse, orderly, who works the evening shift looks like a Bollywood star I've seen in a video online, only less groomed, more unruly. He's hard to understand, and I'm making my best guesses answering his questions as he gets my medical history and takes my blood pressure, the fourth time it's been taken in the past eight hours. Some eye drops to keep the film of my eye from tearing open every time I blink, an ongoing annoyance that I'm getting used to as a permanent part of my life, and again, I'm alone in a room full of mumbling strangers. We're under tornado warning. I'm hoping dinner will be more appealing than lunch. I look forward to sleep and the potential to being one day closer to not being here. What was I thinking? I wasn't. I'm often told I think too much and I understand why now. When I follow impulse, I find myself here. I'm not crazy only because I think that I'm crazy. If I thought I was sane, I'd be nuts. A fish patty, milk, powdery mac and cheese, and green beans, the same consistency of the furniture. A girl who may or may not be near my age, it's hard to tell, tells me it's been this same boredom and routine every time she's been here. How many times? Too many. Bouncing between here and another ward, then home, and here again, if this boring routine is the best of her options, I feel for her, and my heart breaks. How, if she keeps coming back, do they even let her out in the first place? Opens a bed for a few weeks now and then, she says. And I am discouraged. I just got here and fear ever having to return. How long does it take to become familiar enough to be comfortable? I make my mind up not to find out. The end of the night, milk and cookies. Honest to God, no joke, milk and fucking cookies. A small cardboard carton like grade school and your choice of chocolate chip or oatmeal. Two of them in the same cups in which they give out the drugs. There's some crime forensics drama on the TV. The sound of gunshots and women screaming and here we are. Some wheelchair bound, some mumbling softly. Some coloring or doing puzzles. We grown-ass children waiting to be told to go to bed. And this is just day one. I go back to my original thought, the one that echoed in my head when I first started thinking again after impulse had died down. A mantra, a prayer before bed. I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake. Six a.m. 
A man I can't see pronouncing my name as though there are three to four letter B's in it is calling for me to wake up. My mouth feels rank, still no toothbrush. Time for vitals, blood draw, meds, the start of the day. I slept like a baby, once the pills kicked in and the anxiety had run down. I still feel foggy like I'm not really here, but I know anxiety and regret are just around the corner. I hope breakfast and a toothbrush get here first. The nurse drops one of my two morning pills on the floor. Half dosed, the toiletries cart finally arrives and they watch me shave in between the eyebrows, the sparse hairs that remain where my hairline used to end my forehead, the hairs on my neck beyond the line of my beard. Even here, I'm another vain individual worried about my appearance as I cut such a sharp figure in my tattoos and slippers and paper pajamas and plastic ID wristband. After all that, I take a toothbrush and toothpaste to my room and brush until my gums bleed. I still taste a film of pills and hospital food mixing with the mineral and metal flavor of my blood. I spit, go to the day room, and wait for breakfast. Fast forward, and the chaplain has come to visit. It sounds like a revival in the day room. Minutes earlier, I was being asked my plan. What will I do when I go home? At least it's when and not if. A great debate rages between the preacher and an older patient, recognizable by the pork pie hat he was allowed to keep wearing, the physics of a spiritual seesaw. I wandered into the middle of something. I'm lost. The mood drops. An old crippled woman, shrunken and hunched in her wheelchair, asks why God sets us up for failure. Why every time you have something going, the rug gets pulled out. And the preacher equates life to poker, dealing with bad hands. Pork pie is back in and quoting scripture, and if like life is a poker game, right now I want to fold. Preacher excuses himself, and the room goes quiet for the first time since I've gotten here. Even the TV, the ever-present distraction, is turned off. I go off in search of water. My usual therapist comes to visit. Cute, young, red hair and muted green eyes. She was tearing up the first time I met with her. That difference from the others in the past kept me coming back. She asked me how I was, and my only answer was bored. They're boring me into better mental health, because even a shitstorm is better than days of thumb-twiddling. They come to visit me in my room. The blue and tan box with a photo mural of a river over my bed. I may be able to go home tomorrow. 90% chance that later in the day I can get out of here. Go start taking care of things again. Start looking for a new place to live. Look at all of my school options. Try to make answers that will make sense when my friends ask me where I was and why. As I'm pondering the potential for tomorrow night, another patient is outside my room cursing and sputtering, and the only repeating word I can pick out that isn't a slur is America. He sighs and sobs, and I try not to listen any longer as he deals with himself and his thoughts. It's not my place. Not now, 
not here. The sound of a patient screaming draws me out of my room. I've been sleeping again, trying to make the time pass quicker. It's half working, in that I feel great while I'm sleeping. By the time I get to the day room, the ruckus has ended, but I'm in time to watch the Bulls try to hang on in the playoffs against Miami. All the hangdog faces held wrapped by the game, except for my roommate, whom I've still not spoken to. His attention focused, as ever, by the deck of cards he methodically shuffles all day. Breakfast is nearly an hour late, and you can hear the stomachs rumbling. They're used to the schedule. A caseworker took me to her office. She looked like someone I used to know. Elfish, cute. Her thumb was bandaged from catching it on the corner of her desk. She says I'm going home today. I'm anxious to get out of here, get on with things. One of the docs now, again, young, cute, blue eyes, angular face, pearl earrings. They seem to be drawn here, idealistic, helpful, attractive young women. They're double and triple checking now, making sure I'm not just saying what they want to hear, which of course I partially am. But from a genuine desire to get out of here and get back to my life. They serve bacon with breakfast, and that makes me happy. The first night I was here, I cried excessively into my pillow, and now, an hour, give or take, from my release, and all I can think is that I smell from wearing the same clothes for three days and not having deodorant. That's my prevailing thought. I stink. Second to that, I want White Castle. There's one just down the block from the hospital, and that will be my first stop. The beginning. Well, there you go. That's uh, the journal that I kept during my inpatient psych stay at the VA hospital. I haven't been back since. It's been, oh, eight years now. It's... uh been a series of ups and downs. Um, I've had other therapists since then. Uh, funny enough, the uh, the therapist I've had for about the past seven years uh, is getting a promotion, and so I will either be finding a new therapist or uh, putting a pause on therapy for the time being. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It's weird. I've known my therapist uh, longer than I've known my fiance. That's a that's a lengthy uh, uh, relationship of a sort. Um, so yeah, so that was that. Let's move on to the next segments of the podcast, shall we? It's time for your recommendations. Uh, all I've got recommendation wise is music today. I don't have any. Any shows or movies or anything that I want to recommend. So first off, uh, there's a song that's been stuck in my head all day today. I don't know why. Uh, I don't recall hearing it at any point in the in recent memory. But for whatever reason, like I said, just stuck in my head today. And that's uh, Natalie Merchant's Carnival. It's a track from 1995. Um... It's the lead single from her debut solo album. 
some wild things about this uh, uh, about this song. It was featured in an episode of Xena Warrior Princess, which is a wild anachronism, uh, given that that series takes place considerably before you know recorded music. Um, but that was a wild series anyway, that and Hercules, and it was very, um, not steampunk, Swords and Sandals punk? I don't know. It was a weird time in TV, weird series. But yeah, uh, so Carnival by Natalie Merchant. Um, also weird fact about that song it was requested by Eileen Wernos, the serial killer, to play at her funeral. And uh, it related to that, it was featured in an episode of American Horror Story Hotel, uh, where a fictionalized version of Eileen Wernos uh, was introduced, played by Lily Rabe. Speaking of Lily Rabe, that'll bring us to our next uh, song recommendation. Uh, it's Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac from 1975. It was written by Stevie Nicks, who also featured on American Horror Story in the seasons uh, Coven and Apocalypse. Uh, Lily Rabe's Misty Day character, who also featured in those seasons, uh, takes great stylistic influence from Stevie Nicks, and in uh, one of the episodes, this song was performed in episode by Stevie Nicks in basically just a, a mid-episode musical number. Uh, Rhiannon is an old Welsh goddess and an inspiration for a number of other songs penned by Nicks. Uh, some finished, uh, some were not finished as Nicks was working on whether to do a Rhiannon-based movie or a book or just an album of purely Rhiannon-based songs. Um... None of that came into fruition. Uh, however, uh, the songs do remain. So yeah, so there you go. Those are your song recommendations. I know I usually do like a new song and an old song. Um, I did an old song and an older song, I guess, depending on your definition of old when it comes, excuse me, to music. But uh, yeah, I found a neat tie in there with the... Uh, American Horror Story angle. So that's fun. Um, and now it's time for your episodic tarot pull. Uh, only this time, I'm not uh, pulling a tarot card. I'm pulling once again from Emily, uh, Emily Autumn's Asylum Oracle deck. Uh, an Asylum Oracle deck seemed fitting given the nature of this episode. Uh, as a reminder, with the Asylum Oracle deck, the deck is broken into uh, five different suits. Uh, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. Um, and then there are a number of cards within each suit. Uh, the card that I pulled for this episode is the boot. And the boot is an earth card. Uh, the earth cards uh, are, are reminders to stay grounded uh, find your stability, your 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 stable footing. Uh, the earth cards promote healing and growth as well. Uh, and the boot, uh, in particular, is a, an interesting card. It it simultaneously keeps you grounded, but also with its with its uh, nice solid high heel there, uh, keeps you lifted. You know, closer to the sky. So simultaneously grounded 
and reaching skyward. Uh, it allows one to move forward confidently as it protects and supports through each step you take through life. You know, whether you have to stomp or, or kick uh, or you uh, you want to strut and dance, you know, the boot has you. Uh, and it's it's an interesting card and an interesting concept for me uh, with the with the boot and the heel. Um, given how much I feel I've come into my own uh, as a, a performer and as a person uh, since I started wearing heels, you know, they it's a it's a different feel walking with a a heel, you know, whether it's you know four inches or six inches or you know however ridiculous you care to get with it i'm i'm a i'm a solid four inch heel kind of person i like a nice chunky heel you know i'm still still like to keep that stable footing you know plus i got i got you know boats for feet um shout out to penny loves kenny for uh finding heels that or having heels that fit me which i i i get they uh they're fun. They they follow a lot of my posts on Instagram and stuff. So that's, I I appreciate supporting a business that also supports me. You know what I mean? That's that's nice. Um, but yeah, so the boot very interesting card for me, given, you know how much confidence I've I've found as a performer since wearing heels. Um, so I guess that's what I want to leave you with as we we depart this episode is confidence. Confidence in in your in your step in your stride in your strut, uh, you know in your dance. You know, find the things that that support you and protect you and lift you uh, as you as you go forth in life. Uh, it's important to to feel all those things. Be confident, man. Yeah. And with that. That's the end of the episode. And I guess there's only one thing left to uh to leave you with and that's the reminder to always always keep that trash fire burning.